Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Why are you here this morning? Do you ever think about that? Why did you get out of bed? Why did you dress up? Why did you come to church? There are many reasons people get up on Sunday morning and come to church. They're not all the same. They're not all even right. Next Sunday, we have Friendship Sunday as part of our mission festival where we're encouraging you to invite someone you know to come to church. And on that postcard that we're going to hand out on your way out of church today that you can give to your friend or neighbor or give to a stranger, you'll see a free potluck meal on the cover. Why do people come to church? So part of our advertising and trying to encourage somebody to come to church, we've put on there that there's a free meal included. Now imagine for a second if we bumped it up a notch. And instead of just a free meal, we're going to give away a $50 cash gift to everyone who's in attendance. You think people would come? Maybe we could make it even more worldwide appeal. And let's say for a moment that there is a revolutionary new healing medicine that's able to cure all your ailments. And our church has it. And we have the doctor in our church that's discovered this revolutionary medicine. And the people come and he gives it to them and they leave feeling like they've never felt before. How many people do you think we could get in church? How long would it take before we could get the numbers that Jesus was getting. 5,000. Could we do it? Why are you here? Well, maybe that revolutionary medicine and that doctor was only here for one Sunday. He comes for one Sunday, performs this great healing, and then he leaves. He goes to a different church down the road, and then he goes to a different church down the road, and then he goes down even further out into the country, and he's headed toward Gaston. You think the crowds will follow him? Do you think the people who saw what he did might actually leave this church, go to the next church? Next Sunday, and then the next church next Sunday, and then pretty soon you're headed toward Swansea. How far would those crowds be willing to go for that revolutionary medicine and healing that that man has provided. They've come to see Jesus because he's done many signs and healed many people from diseases. They've come from all around, they've gathered there, and not only has he done the healing, but now that this great crowd is down in Swansea, he also sees they're very far from their homes. And they've traveled all day to get there on foot. And so he also feeds them. 
Not only does he heal them, but he feeds them. Does this sound like somebody that maybe you would want to stick around? After doing all this, and when the people had saw what he had done, they said, we should make him president. We should put him in charge. This is the one that we've been waiting for. And then he disappears. He disappears, and he goes up onto a mountain where nobody knows where he is, and nobody sees him for another couple days. And the disciples go out onto their boat, and they're wondering where Jesus went to, so they travel out. They're trying to cross the Sea of Galilee. A great storm comes up, and they probably are afraid that they're going to die. Why did you come here? The people who were seeking after Jesus were seeking a better life. It says in verse 22, in John chapter 6, we're at verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats came near the place, and when they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks... So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. They are seeking Jesus. There's no doubt about it. There are many people who are seeking God. They're seeking answers. They're seeking someone to provide for them, someone to bless them, someone to make their life better. And when they find him, they don't find what they're looking for. Jesus says to them, you were seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. They were seeking Jesus. They were seeking him because he had provided the bread, because he had healed so many, because he was able to take care of their suffering. And when he says you must work the works of God, they're thinking, okay, we need to do the things that he's doing. We need to learn how we can perform miracles. We can heal. We can provide for the poor. And Jesus says the work of God is to believe in Jesus. Does that seem like a hard work to you? Does that seem like something so difficult? Does that even seem like something worth it? So they say, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our father ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. After all the signs that they had seen, they hadn't really seen the signs. They're still looking for more signs. And that's what happens when you're looking 
for the types of signs that will only satisfy your earthly needs, that will put food on the table, that will take care of your sicknesses, that will make your life easier. But those aren't the real signs. They really want is for Jesus to be Moses. They want Jesus to provide manna for them, bread from heaven, so they can eat and never have to worry again. Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus knows why these people have come. In chapter 5, he laid it out very clear. He said, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from only God? That was just leading into this story. Jesus is saying he knows why they're coming. They're coming because they're seeking the glory of men. They're seeking the glory of earth. They're not seeking the glory of God because they don't even have a clue what the glory of God really is. And Jesus is about to tell them. They're seeking the glory of the manna in the wilderness. Well, if you were paying any attention in the psalm we read earlier, do you feel like God was really happy with needing to provide that manna in the wilderness and then how the people responded? It says he was furious. What does it take to get God furious? Was Jesus furious? The whole setting that is laid out to put this whole thing in perspective is the Passover. It says it was one of the feasts that was drawing near and Jesus was coming uh, because of the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. And this is setting up a whole context for how the people are thinking about Jesus and what Jesus is thinking about the people. Now, the Passover took place thousands of years before this. It is an annual festival that dates back to the time that God freed the people from Egypt. And when he rescued them from Egypt, he did so with this last plague that he sent on all Egypt where the firstborn of Pharaoh died. But the people of Israel were delivered. And as they celebrated and remembered that day, they were to eat unleavened bread. One of the most important parts of the meal was this unleavened bread. And the Jews called it the bread of affliction. It was unleavened because they were supposed to leave in haste. They didn't even have time to let the dough rise overnight. And they needed it to last because they were going out into the wilderness. So they gathered up, they made all this bread for a, to last them seven days as they went out into the wilderness. It was a flat bread. And it was the bread of affliction, pressed hard as they were pressed hard in the bitterness of Egypt. Bread doesn't just appear on the table, does it? Bread takes hard work. It takes the work of farmers and agriculturals. It takes the work of uh, businesses and grain industry and flour and baking 
It doesn't just appear. It's the bread of affliction. And the people were wanting relief. Now, the glory of man is to seek relief from the affliction with things in this world. More bread, an easier life, healing from sickness. The people are waiting for relief, and they think in this prophet they have the new Moses, the one who will deliver them from the slavery they're now under with the Romans. Will Jesus rescue them from Rome? Will he provide what Moses provided, deliverance, bread from heaven, and a new promised land where there is nothing but happiness? This is indeed the prophet, they said, and they want to make him king. So why are we here? Are we here for the same reasons they were there? The real question that they were not seeking and that we might lose track of is not why we are here, but why is Jesus here? Because ultimately, we can deceive ourselves, we can fall into sin, we can be here for any number of reasons. But none of it matters if we don't know why Jesus is here. He says, you came... Because, not because you saw the sign, but because you ate and were filled. And then he lays it down and says to them, I am the manna. I am the manna. Would you even comprehend what he's saying? If you were those people that had ate the bread and were thinking about Moses, and he says, I am the manna. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. But the Jews grumbled, because he said, I am the manna. They grumble, and this grumbling is mentioned three times in our text. It's mentioned in verse 41, they grumble. In verse 43, Jesus says, do not grumble. And then again in verse 61, it says Jesus knew his disciples were grumbling. Three times they grumble. Well, you know what happened in the wilderness journey after the Passover and Moses brought them out and rescued them? Three events of grumbling. Three times in Exodus 16 and 17 and 18, you have Israel grumbling. And it's the same Greek word in the Old Testament Greek Bible as the word John uses in the New Testament Greek Bible. They grumble. They grumble because they're seeking the glory of men and not the glory of God. The glory of men will always grumble at the glory of God. So you followed this revolutionary doctor out into the wilderness, all the way to Swansea. You've traveled all day, not really knowing where you're going. And this healer says to you, you followed me because I gave you medicine. But then he says, I am the medicine. I am the money. 
I am the bread. I am what you're seeking. And what you're seeking in this world will never make you happy. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he's alluding to this phrase, the bread of affliction, which the Jews would pray every Passover over this bread of affliction that they're eating at the time of the Passover. And Jesus now says, I'm not the bread of affliction. I'm the bread of life. This world will give you the bread of affliction, but I'm giving you the bread of life. Jesus knows that they are going to grumble. He knows what's coming. Can you imagine being in Jesus' sandals and knowing what's coming and still going through with it? Think about it. He had done these healings and had great crowds coming to him. He had done the feeding of the 5,000, providing bread for all these crowds, and they want to make him king. And they come to him ready to make him king, to declare him a new Moses and to follow him all the way to triumph over Rome and establish a kingdom on this earth that will be the most powerful one you could ever imagine. And instead of giving them what they want, Jesus gives a sermon that will specifically drive them away, and he knows it. How many churches do you see in America that are willing to stand up and preach a sermon that will specifically address and drive away people. That crowd of 5,000 that came down to Swansea, gone once they hear this message. Jesus is purposefully preaching a message that will offend and divide. And he says to them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. It says in verse 64, there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray them. And he said to them, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. What a sad day. But Jesus is being quite clear. This is a hard saying, the disciples say. Who can follow it? You must eat my bread, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. The people were fine with Jesus as a prophet, as a leader, as Moses, as a liberator, as a person who will make life better. But when he reveals that he's the Messiah who has come to die, people aren't interested in that. When he reveals that before you partake of the bread of life, to eat his flesh, drink his blood, you must first experience the bread of affliction. When he takes away all the comforts, all the things that make life easier, the things that would make us feel like we want to stay in this world forever, he takes all those things away. The crowds are suddenly not so amazed and taken away with his wonders. 
Knowing all of this, Jesus preaches the hardest sermon that could ever be preached, and he offends them. Why are we here? So if you had to finish this statement, church is a place where dot, dot, dot. How would you finish that statement? Church is a place where I can find a happier marriage. I can be free from anxiety. I can have a healthier lifestyle. I can get healed from sickness. I can find a social group that I fit in with. Every one of these statements is true in a way. Jesus still healed. Jesus still provided bread. Jesus still did many things to make life better. Jesus can give you a happier marriage. He can make you free from anxiety. He can give you a healthier lifestyle. And he can heal your sicknesses. But those are all just signs. Every one of those things is just a sign And the reason they missed out on it all was because they didn't realize the significance of the sign. Signs always have significance, which means they're pointing to a bigger idea. Jesus is the better marriage. Jesus is the freedom from anxiety. Jesus is the healthier lifestyle. Jesus is your healing. And he's doing it in a deeper way than the superficial the outward, the more comfortable. He's doing it in a much deeper way because he's dealing with death, laying down his flesh and blood for us. Because he said this, many turned away. And so if you're here for more bread, for a temporary relief from difficulties, for some way out of mistakes you've made, for some self-atonement, because your life isn't going well, because you're being chastised and you don't know where else to go, for being, finding relief from struggle. If you are here for the glory of men, earthly goals, if you are here for anything other than Jesus, you have two choices. You can either stay and get nothing. You can repent or you can leave And be honest. I suggest the repentance one. Because church is not a place which is meant to make life better. It's a place which is meant to give you eternal life. A life which lasts beyond our death. A life which lasts beyond bread, beyond sickness, beyond lifestyle. And he says to his disciples, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him. What is Simon Peter's answer? Because Simon Peter's answer, when we're trying to figure out why are we here, the answer is simple. And it's right in his words. Why are you here today? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know 
that you are the Holy One of God. Amen.